0: Welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast, a weekly show about all things engineering, DIY projects, manufacturing, industry news, and Raspberry Pi 5. We're your host, electrical engineers, Stephen Craig. And Parker Dillman.
1: This is episode 398. Yeah, I think the last time you did the intro was when you were in your AI form.
0: Yeah. Oh, you're right. Yeah. I would never say go Longhorns. <laughs> actually you know to, to be honest in the past handful of years i've just been enjoying watching uh the longhorns mainly because i know parker and it gives us something to talk about but uh it also means more college football that i can watch and have fun with
1: yeah yeah i just like how unnatural it sounded from the ai too and like it knew that you would never say that
0: <laughs> it, it could find no data on that whatsoever yeah, no da- yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I do say go Longhorns when they're beating uh, uh, Bama, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, you always do against that team. (laughs) And then we'll find for the statistics for this episode that zero downloads from Alabama. (laughs) Entire state is just zero. Black
0: hole. (laughs) Uh, None.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. So this week we've got the Raspberry Pi 5. It's brand new. It's not out yet, though. It's like pre-release or something like that. October is what I've been hearing, so now-ish. Oh, now-ish. And then we probably will try to get to these projects that we've been meaning to talk about for, like, the past four weeks. Sometime. Um, But I think the first thing we need to talk about is an event coming up. In four weeks, my uh, Extra Life charity stream, I do every year, is going to happen uh, with Extra Life 2023, it's November 4th. I need to get all the site and stuff up and running for that. Last year, we raised, with everyone help, all the listeners basically donating, uh, we raised like over $8,000 for the Texas Children's Hospital here in, in uh, Houston. And I'm trying to hit 10000 this year, which sounds ridiculous because when we first started, Like, what, four or five years ago, we started for, like, a 1,000. And now we're at 10 times that. So that's crazy. Got to hit that extra digit. Yeah. If we actually hit that, I'll be, like, amazed. I think I said that last year, though. So, and we blew up the goal last year. Well, and you usually put a lot of effort into these
0: and uh, do a lot of fun stuff with it. So you're planning on some cool stuff this year, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So we're going to be... I think we're going to play Jedi Fallen Order, which is not the latest Star Wars game, but it's the second latest, I guess, at this point. I've been practicing it. So usually I have a rule, which is I play like the hardest difficulty of the game. And then if I die, I have to drink uh, alcoholic beverages. And (laughs) it's like a marathon to go 24 hours when you're doing that. And so far... Most of the games I pick, I'm, like, really... I'm gamer. Perficient. at Efficient. Gamer at them. Uh, like, we played Half-Life 2, like, all those games. We played Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time, and then we played... Uh, so, last year was the first, like, double feature, and we did Duke Nukem Forever. Alien. Well, that was the second game, and the first game we did was Alien Colonial Marines, and... Those games I played a lot when they came out, and then they like kept breaking, like bug wise. That was a lot of fun trying to work through, like live on stream. (laughs) You got screwed over a lot in Aliens. Yeah, Aliens really screwed me over a lot of times. Where like you, uh, there was a couple times where I just randomly died, and it was just like, well, that's a drink, I guess. (laughs) Yep. And crazy enough, Duke Nukem Forever like worked great, didn't have any problems. So this year, yeah. Jedi fallen order on it's like Jedi grand master is like the hardest difficulty. And it's really weird. Like the bosses I have like down, like I can like one shot the bosses. No problem. It's when the game decides to throw a lot of action economy at you in terms of like, here's like five enemies at once. And all it takes is like one of those enemies to hit you like three times and you're dead. The example was, like, I booted up for the first time in, like, a year to play it. And I died three times in, like, the tutorial level. And I, was, <laughs> I, t- I texted Steven. I'm like, this is probably not going to be a good idea. This <laughs> this ain't happening. <laughs> so I replayed the tutorial. I actually got through it without dying. And um, I've died, like, I think my counter is at, like, 15. And I'm about halfway through the game. The game tends to get easier as... It goes on. The bosses get more crazier, but you get more life, so you can survive the arena fights when there's a lot of enemies. Like it makes mm. it easier to survive those when you have more health. Whereas like early on, it's like you can get hit one and a half times and you're dead. Mm. Uh, so it's really brutal. I got through. It's like that classic like you get kidnapped scenario, and like you're in like a gladiatorial fight. Oh, they take everything away from you and. Yeah, take everything away from you and then throw you in a gladiatorial fight with just your lightsaber, basically. Of of all the things that they give you, they give you a lightsaber. (laughs) Yeah, they give you, well, you're a Jedi. So, I mean, they kind of have to. (laughs) That event, it first starts out at, that's the one I practiced last night. It starts out with, here's like eight enemies at once, good luck. And you think that's bad. And then it throws basically a mini boss at you. And then it throws two normal bosses at you. And then it throws another, like, boss at you after that. Without healing? Well, you have stim packs, but you only have, like, three. And they only heal you about halfway. Okay. It took me, like, six times. I died, like, six times before I finally finished it. And uh, Because when you die, you have to start all the way over. There's no, like, checkpoints in between that boss rush Mm, scenario. And that's halfway through the game. So I don't know if... (laughs) I think I'm going to finish playing it this week. And then play it one more time and see if I can get that death number down to like something manageable, like six. If I can do it in like six, seven deaths over the whole play, that won't be too bad over 24 hours. Is the game... Would it consume 24 hours of your time? I think you can beat this game in like 16. Okay. But like if I'm dying like six, seven times in a row (laughs) at 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 an event, it's like there's no way... I'm going to be able to get through that game with my self-imposed rules. Right. Of course, we could just change the rules, but that's kind of lame. That's kind of been like, that was like the original OG rule was die, you drink. So I'm going to keep that one on. And then I'm going to like redo. I had built this like whole plugin that works with open source broadcaster uh, that works with Python and links a whole bunch of stuff together from like the extra life API and stuff. So last year, I had Duke Nukem just like randomly say Duke Nukem quotes, which was a lot of fun. But this year, I think I am going to use an AI to basically do text-to-speech and then throw it into like a Darth Vader model. Hmm. So Darth Vader will say like people's names when they donate and how much they donated. Yeah, unique phrases every time. Yeah, maybe like throw some chat gpt like if it's over a certain dollar amount like chat gpt makes up a paragraph for darth vader to say huh gotta we'll see that sounds like a lot of fun to try to figure out how to make those uh, ai's work in a speedy enough fashion to make that work
0: yeah i guess it well y- you you can have some buffer time cuz if someone gives you a donation they don't necessarily expect to see a response within, like, a
1: second. If it takes that's true. 60 seconds, you're fine, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I, if I can do all the processing within a minute, I think I'll be okay. Yeah.
0: I think that's that you could possibly pull that off.
1: I need to get, like, an AI-generated Darth Vader, like, to slide onto the screen to say his thing. Didn't you have that last year? Yeah, it was Duke Nukem's face sliding on. But I'm just going to repurpose that code that does that part. Right. Because I already had that built. But yeah, I think that's going to be the tech thing I do, like new thing, which is like introduce AI model for voice and stuff.
0: Yeah, because you did a lot last year, but you built the framework, and now you can just stack on that every year.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last year was definitely building a framework to handle everything. and I definitely don't – I think I had that Python script like run every second. It definitely doesn't need to run that often. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I if I remember right, you had to reset it one time because it got it got in a weird yeah loop. It, it, for some reason it just locked up. Yeah, it locked up, but it ran great all the rest of the time, which is as really not that big of a deal.
1: Yeah. And I've gotten a lot better. I think basically like one of the endpoints to like extra life, like hard locked. Mm. And then I didn't have like a try exception at all. And it just like locked up the program. I'm a lot better of a Python programmer nowadays. So maybe that won't happen. <laughs> or maybe it will. So so how often
0: do you think you, you need it to reach out? If it's not one second, is it every ten seconds or something?
1: I was gonna probably do every thirty. Oh, okay. Yeah. Every thirty seconds. Just reach out and hit the endpoint and see if there's something new. And then if, if there if is if you're doing
0: every thirty also, that probably doesn't that that doesn't look like massive traffic. Yeah, yeah. Which is probably better.
1: Yeah, I think it was running right up on, like, Extra Life's buffer. Because actually, if you use Extra Life's plugin, like, their little bar thing, I think that thing only updates, like, once every five minutes. So it's definitely not even hammering their own server. So I'll slow that down, Tad, to be once every 30 seconds. I might do something different with the progress bar. Last year, I did, like, an ASCII progress bar because I literally couldn't figure out how to make the graphics work for it, and that worked might just reuse that. Maybe use like some, like, maybe emojis. I wonder if I can send emojis across. Hmm, I have to think about that, see how I can make that work. Like, I wonder if open source broadcaster, their text widget supports emojis. But yeah, going to start working on that. So what was the date again? November 4th. And what time to what time? That's going to start at 8 a.m. and go to next 8 a.m. My next episode I'll have like the page set up and leased so that people can bookmark it and uh you can donate early if you want to or you can wait till the stream happens yeah plan to be there because it really
0: is fun to watch i I watch Parker play every year and uh it beats the hell out of just like whatever random TV I put on in the in the <laughs> evening it's it's entertaining for sure
1: okay enough about that November fourth link in the description so. Raspberry Pi five that's the new thing coming out from the Raspberry Pi Foundation so initial thoughts I was actually
0: I was a bit I was actually a little bit taken off guard because I just I feel like I hadn't heard anything about Pi five other than it was farther away and then we we got notified what it was last week it was like oh wow okay it's like here now time moves fast i f- I still feel like the Pi four is new but yeah no Pi five is here and as with any Raspberry Pi uh, release, it's the new whiz bang thing that's faster, more powerful, does all the things better, I guess. But you know, some of the things that this one does, they they are claiming two and a half x speed over the last generation, which Pi Four was faster than three, but it was kind of nominally faster yeah. than three. Like it was noticeable, but it it wasn't a jump like this. This is a pretty significant jump. In, uh,
1: in speed. And what's interesting, what you said about the time, this is actually the, between the four and five, it's actually the longest window between a release for a new Raspberry Pi. Hmm. It's four years, something like that. I actually had to go look it up because like the original Pi was 2012 or was that 2011? That sounds about right. It was some somewhere in that range. Yeah, 2012, I think. And then very quickly, the Pi... 2 was like they did like the b plus of the original right. one pretty early then the pi 2 was 2015 and then it had a couple of iterations and then the 4 was 2019 so since 2019 the pi 4 was the best raspberry pi you can get now we have the 5
0: so brand new bcm 2712 system on chip faster got all the all, all the speed in it this version i feel like has the most amount of hardware changes on the board and go you know we're not going to go through every single one but go watch videos on it there's there's quite a few hardware changes i mean all the regulars are there it's got all the the standard usb ports it still has the pin header stuff some of the other connectors have been swapped around like the display connectors have moved and there's two of them now there is now a PCIe connector, which is probably one of the more exciting things about the Pi 5, I think, because now you can expand it for all your PCIe stuff, which I've been hearing talk that M.2 hats might be a thing for Pi 5, which is pretty
1: cool. Yeah, that's actually my biggest complaint is not having a native M.2 port on it and still sticking with SD card. I know SD cards are cheap, like really cheap, but for any kind of trying to be serious using it, you don't want to use an SD card.
0: An SD card just has an, it will expire. It The thing about using an SD card with the Raspberry Pi is, you, is the clock is ticking. When will it go? And so if there is an M.2 hat that will become available for it, I think it really has some legs. I think this is really a, a very useful machine that could be used reliably for a long period of time without having to service it and just basically put new SD cards in.
1: Yeah. Apparently, it, um, I didn't know this, but it might even be on previous Pies, but it does USB boot as well. So that's very interesting.
0: Yeah. Uh, previous Pies have
1: that as well. Okay. I didn't know that. I need a... yep migrate all my pi projects to that at least then
0: (laughs) right that was always an option but sort of the the underlying default with raspberry pi was just you know burn your image on an sd card and then you're there right which is cool because it's fast it's easy and like you said it's cheap but reliability is way on the low end Mm -hmm. they do say that it can drive dual 4k monitors at 60 hertz That's Uh, this Pi 5, which is kind of ridiculous.
1: Yeah, that's probably more useful, using this as like a kiosk kind of driver Yeah, than actually like a desktop machine, in my opinion. But I think the most exciting new feature that I like is it actually has a power button now, a soft power button. Yep. That's really cool, finally, because it used to be the only way to power it down was to unplug it and... (laughs) That's a really terrible way to handle a Linux machine. <laughs> so actually has a soft power button. That's really cool. And uh, everyone's been saying that it has no through-hole parts. And that's, we know better, though. I put, I put that down on here because I, I watched a video where they were
0: praising it for having no through-hole parts. And really, you know, from a manufacturing perspective, I can see that being cool that it's like wow they they finally got it where it's all surface mount go through but i'm sitting here like once again that's that's going back to my my comments on reliability <laughs> like sure but that's not like a huge plus in my book
1: well they have through hole parts it's just they don't the pin doesn't go through all the way through the board i think they're doing basically paste and pad for everything yeah yeah because uh, like the header doesn't poke the, the tail end of, like, that 40-pin header, doesn't go all the way through the board. It stops. It's basically only 1.6 millimeters long, tail is. So it goes to the bottom of the board, which is nice from, like, mounting it perspective, but uh, I don't really see that as, like, a crazy thing. Like, you still need an insertion machine to put those parts in. Yeah, it's not like a pick-and-place can typically do that.
0: Well, and actually bringing up that 40-pin header, one thing that is different on the 5 is they spun their, their own silicon for a south bridge. So the Pi 5 has a south bridge that is basically a peripheral controller. I think all the, the USB 3.0 and 2.0 is covered in that. Some of the other stuff too, but all the GPIO now goes through the south bridge yeah. as well. So there's another layer of abstraction.
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting from a if they come out with a compute module for the Raspberry Pi 5, how they handle that South Bridge. Because in the past, it was the compute module was pretty much just the main chip on it. And you had to... And some power filtering. <laughs> yeah, you had to add everything else. But more importantly, like if you needed Ethernet on your product, you had to put in an Ethernet controller and you usually had to use... The best thing to use was the same chip that the Raspberry Pi was using. And usually it was like a microchip part. I can't remember off the top of my head where it was, but it was like a combo Ethernet USB hub. Mm -hmm. The problem with the Raspberry Pi 5 is all that magic is done in custom silicon now that you can probably not get as well. So it's like, is the compute module going to have both these chips on it now? Is it going to have the main CPU and then also the Southbridge? It kind of has to. Or maybe they just
0: have a stripped-down architecture that you they say if you want compute module, you
1: don't get all these features. It could, but that really fractures their code base. And that's actually one thing that, so far, Pi has been really good at. And it's why you pick the Pi is because the community and software support around it is very strong. Mm-hmm. Because you have there's a lot of other options in the single board computer space. Like was it, Rock Chip makes one? Yeah, and the Orange Pi. Yeah, there's tons out there. The biggest problem is trying to get something to work on them quickly. And a lot of times you have to end up writing your own or compiling your kernel and that kind of stuff to handle extra drivers and stuff where Someone has most likely already done all that work for you on the Raspberry Pi platform.
0: You know, and (laughs) it seems like the the Pi 5 is getting close to thermal issues because now with the Pi 5, they're suggesting a full 5-amp brick, which ends up being 25 watts in the size of a credit card. Mm -hmm. And they're starting to get to the point where they're cramming so much down that it's difficult to get the heat out. So the Pi 5 apparently... Pretty much has to have active cooling on it. The Pi 4, really, it was very helpful to have active cooling, but the 5 is pretty much a must now. And in fact, apparently they redesigned their cases for better airflow just specifically because the 5 needs it. I have a 4 that I use to play games with. And if you're playing, you know, the most simple of games, you can run it without cooling. But if you have anything else, that that's taxing on it. You really do need active cooling. It, it heats up pretty bad. So, I you know, how much further can they go without just absolutely requiring it? I mean, I think they're pretty much there already.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's kind of... Because some of the tests I've seen basically doing anything on the Pi-5 makes it go into thermal throttle. Uh-huh. So it's really lame. I wanna, I, I was going to say lame. It's It's very lame that you have to also buy the Heatsink stuff on top of the Pi, and it's also not built into it already. I think they're totally doing that to get the initial price lower. Well, well, okay, so let's talk
0: about let's actually talk about money real quick. The Pi 5 with four gigabytes of RAM is $60, is, is the price point now. And then the Pi 5 with eight gigabytes is $80. If those prices were $80 and $100, but it came with the heatsink and the active cooling, I don't see that as a problem. It's still very affordable.
1: Yeah, but you got to remember, though, the original Pi 1 was $25. Yeah, yeah. In 2012. I mean, I know inflation's crazy, but it can't be that bad. Well,
0: but also and the... Decade being... The bang for your buck. Oh, yes. Uh, now versus then is is also... It expands a lot.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree is the Pi 3 was really the first Pi that you could pretty much almost use it as a desktop replacement the pi 4 really made it like you could just use this desktop there was no problem really but the pi 1 i remember that being touted as like a desktop replacement and i mean maybe because i have nice computers but it was brutal to use
0: yeah yeah i remember that
1: and and its startup was so slow yeah its boot Ugh. you know what's interesting about that is my friend chris church he's been on the podcast many times he actually got me a new used laptop for my we talked about before my sony mvfd5 digital camera which uses floppy drives and i've been having a lot of problems like actually reading the floppy disks because the usb floppy drives don't really work well with windows 10 and 11 like at all So I was like, well, I'm just going to get a laptop that just has a floppy drive in it. And Chris uh, was able to manage to get me one from like, I don't know where he got it, but it's like, it looks like brand new. Like there's nothing wrong with this laptop. Hmm. And it's a compact Armada with a P3 running Windows XP. Nice. And honestly, I am surprised of how snappy that computer is. Like it just boots right up and like, Goes to work. And I'm like, I am actually surprised how quick this is. It might be because it has a really fresh installed XP on it. (laughs) That might be why. It hasn't been bloated yet. It hasn't been bloated up yet, but it's pretty snappy. I was actually pretty impressed. I thought it was going to be like the Pi 1 experience all over again. Where like (laughs) I'd boot up this computer and just be like waiting forever for stuff to happen. It's like, no, it actually does stuff pretty uh, well. What's crazy about that laptop, it actually has USB on it, too. Hmm. I had to get some, like, less than four gigabyte USB drives now <laughs> to make it work well. <laughs> but uh, I'm probably going to try to install Linux on it, too. On, a, on an old P3? It needs a lot more RAM. Like, I, I want to actually try to put a modern OS on it, like a modern Linux kernel on it. Hmm. I, I have to use, like, mini Linux or something like that, something with a small install. So... Anyways, back to Raspberry Pi. What else we have new? There's a real time clock now, that's really cool. So one thing that they added, I, I think this is interesting, a very interesting
0: manufacturing choice because you know we had mentioned that they basically have no through hole components. So that gets rid of an entire process, but they have a thing now where there's a little chunk of silkscreen on the top and they populate a resistor based off of what model you buy. So if you buy the four gigabyte version, there's a resistor next to the word four gigabyte or another one next to the eight gigabyte. Is that so the chip knows? No, no. Just so that you know, because previously, if you bought a Pi and you bought the 16 or whatever gigabyte version, the way you would know is you'd have to go look at the chip and look at the part number to know what version you bought. Let's say you had hmm. four or five pies. That's the only way you could tell. Well, now you can tell they just populate a resistor. From what I can tell, that resistor doesn't have a function. It's just literally just an indicator for you. And I think that's funny because they
1: traded off one... It many- does have traces on it. Does it? I remember seeing the picture. There are traces that hook those up somewhere.
0: But, well, regardless... You trade one manufacturing process to add another manufacturing process because previously they could just build them all out based off the bomb. I guess, well, if you're populating a different memory IC, then you're going to have a different bomb and a different, I guess, setup for each one anyway. I don't know. It seems uh, gratuitous. It seems like extra work Mm -hmm. for something that wasn't necessarily a problem.
1: Yeah, I'm currently looking at the a Pi Four right now, so it's got a QR code. Well, it's, uh, that's actually not a QR. That's actually a data matrix, 2D barcode. You could literally just put what the Pi is in that, like what gigabytes it was, and just scan it. Maybe it is in there, and you know, I just have never scanned that thing before.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at this image now. It looks like those resistors they're all tied in parallel to ground. So that doesn't actually do anything other than indicate what version you have hmm. or what version of memory you have.
1: Yeah. It's probably not a big deal from the manufacturing side. It is interesting that they went that route versus say laser marking the board.
0: Yeah, exactly. I, I I feel like that would be a better, I guess this is just a bomb change though, or not even a bomb change. It's just a pick and place file change. Well, it- Or both.
1: And the bomb has to change anyways to go from 4 to 8 gigabyte, the RAM module. So probably not too big of a deal. I'm just thinking it's just real estate that they don't have that they're using for that.
0: Actually, I I think the Pi 5 looks more stripped down because of that new Southbridge chip. Oh, yeah. We shoved a lot of stuff into it. So it has a little bit more. Also, apparently, uh, on one of the videos, they they did some rerouting of stuff that wasn't as good on the Pi 4. Things that are the exact same IC, they're doing different routing on it.
1: Hmm. I mean, They've had four years to do it. <laughs> well, the question is, are you going to get one? You know, what? $80 for the 8 gigabyte, I do want to see if the experience is any different compared to a Pi 4. Because I don't do you have really a four? use a Pi... For a lot. I do have some projects I've been working on at the fab and stuff, but I'm actually, I have a whole bunch of like Pi 3s from way back in the day that Project Steven actually worked on at the fab. And so I have tons of these Pi 3s that I just Mm -hmm. use for random projects. And those are totally fine doing whatever they need to do, right? The Pi 3 was great. Like
0: I wouldn't use it as a daily driver, but if you need to set up a computer to just sit there and do something in the background, they're great for that.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. So I don't I'm probably not gonna be rushing out to get a Pi Five, I'll put it that way. Now it's gonna be interesting to see if Pi five can actually be stayed in stock because that's actually was the biggest problem with the Pi 4, was mm-hmm. they just could not keep them in stock anywhere. And so the price went up through the roof. I think that they're
0: taking a lot of steps to make that not happen.
1: Uh, Especially, I think they're, um, I I read somewhere that they're prioritizing hobbyists actually Hmm. uh, with getting things out. So like limiting how many orders or how many units you can get and that kind of stuff?
0: I don't know exactly how they're doing it, but I read that that's their intent.
1: I know there is POE. We talked about a lot. uh, Was it last week we talked about POE too? Because I run a lot of my Pi 3s with poe you know i think the Pi four had its own special header and hat for it i i still don't like calling them pie hats they need to be pie plates come on pie pan pie pan i'm hungry (laughs) oh it's almost it is almost well it's technically is fall it's not fall weather in texas yet but you know what fall weather means oh it's weather here oh yeah i mean colorado
0: Yeah, it feels amazing outside right now.
1: But fall weather means it's pie time. Yep. Time to eat pies.
0: Pie, you know, pie is superior to cake in every way. Fight me on that. Yeah, every
1: way. You know what? It's my birthday coming up. I want to get a pecan pie. Hell yeah. And put one candle on it. (laughs) Okay. Anything else about the Raspberry pie? It's got, like, the newer Bluetooth. It's got better Wi-Fi. Honestly, that's not that exciting, or at least for me. Okay, so
0: I, I, you know, God, about a year ago, maybe even a little bit longer, I talked about some ERP systems and running an ERP server. I think the Pi 5 could make a decent ERP server because all all it is doing is just passing data, uh, you know, machine to machine. I think a Pi 5 could be cool for that. If if it has, if I find out that the Pi 5 has an M.2 two capable hat and you know I could get away with an entire server for 150 bucks I could see myself buying one for that situation Mm -hmm. but I also have old computers lying around that I could just do the same thing with it's just they burn more power than a Pi 5 would so you spend 150 bucks and save a little bit on your energy cost but I don't think I have a need to buy a Pi 5 because my Pi 4 that I use for gaming I haven't found any thing that it can't do. So I just I don't need a pie with more grunt.
1: Yeah. What's the like most advanced game you've played on the Pi four?
0: The most advanced game I played was Final Fantasy Tactics.
1: Oh yeah, uh, it's nothing. So,
0: exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so that that's that's exactly why I don't need a five.
1: Was that the PS1 or the uh Game Boy Advance one? PS1. Okay. You know, I've never played the PS1 one, and I know that game is radically different from the Game Boy Advanced one. I should play that game. You could
0: play that on your extra live stream. There's actually, no way I that 24 probably, hours.
1: That would be so boring for people watching. Yeah, that's actually the good thing about Fallen Order is it's very action-packed.
0: Yeah, tactical games would be massively boring to watch.
1: I was streaming the Octopath 2 Final Boss, and I think Steven fell asleep during it. it's like for me it was like super exciting to finally get to like the end and end of that game finally after like 80 hours yeah and and the music is just going at it and steven's just like wait what what what's going on oh you credits (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i think the most important thing for the Raspberry pi five is them keeping it in stock so people can actually buy them and use them and develop with them. For sure, yeah. All right, let's actually jump to some projects, finally. Yeah,
0: why not? So uh, one that I've had on the back burner for months now that I'm going to get back to. In fact, I have it right here. And I think I actually have a weekend, next weekend up that I can actually do some work on it. Is You remember I was doing my cold welder project the cold weld thing where it was basically a five, five, five timer that controls the arc on my TIG welder. I designed the whole thing, got a board made, built the whole circuit and never really tried it. Uh, it just, things didn't work out and then started a new job and did a blah, 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 and all the stuff, excuses, excuses. So I'm actually going to get back to that because I have a few welding projects that I really want to get to, and I'd love to attempt using those. So, i've I've been brewing beer a little bit more than I have in the last year, and by that, I mean, I've done it like two or three times, but better than me, <laughs> well, yeah, well, for sure, cause gosh, it's been what year and a half or two for you since you've brewed a batch of beer? It's like three. Oof, yeah, yikes. It's funny because I was remarking to Parker last time I brewed, which was a handful of weeks ago, that I haven't purchased something for my brewery in gosh years now it's so weird this is such a weird feeling but i've got to the point where my brewery is like done done like the only thing i buy uh, ingredients stuff for the recipe you know just just grain and hops and yeast and i don't have an intent to buy anything more but i do want to swap some elements in my brewery i have a 15 gallon kettle and i have a 10 gallon kettle and i have them doing the opposite jobs that they should be doing from each other. I should be boiling all my stuff in the 15 and I should be using my 10 gallon for the, for my hot liquor tank, my water, but I have those opposite right now. So I'm wasting tons of water every time I brew because I just fill this 15 gallon thing up. And then I just end up having to pour that out at the end of brew day. And then I'm boiling in a 10 gallon pot and it can easily overflow or, or, or boil over if I'm not paying attention to it. And I'm just, if I swap those two kettles, that will solve a lot of issues for me. And I don't have to buy anything to swap the kettles, but I do want to weld some of the items on those and they're stainless steel. And in order to do that, I want to see if my little cold welder will work because this is real thin gauge stuff. So if I could just tack a few places around, I could go back and lay down an actual bead a lot easier, and I wouldn't have to worry about punching a hole initially with that cold tack. So really, if I want to get to the, the brewery, I'm kind of thinking this cold welder might help out with that. So I'm hoping to spend some time on it and actually see if I can get it to strike an arc in, I don't know, I think when I originally designed it, it was like 100 milliseconds or less something like that. So I've got the board, I've got everything over here, and now it's just a matter of actually firing it up. So hopefully I'll do that this coming weekend. And uh, years and years ago, in fact, it was, gosh, it was right after I got married, I promised my wife that I would make some furniture for her. And I even went out, I took her to the lumber yard and we bought a big chunk of walnut it's a gorgeous piece of wood, and I've hung on to it going on eight and a half years now. was about to say it's like eight, nine years now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, I've hung on to this, this thing. And what's funny is I hung on to it thinking that I could get to it, and I realized I needed two things to get this project done. I needed a CNC that was functional, and I needed a good welder. And you know what I have now? I have both of those things. It took eight years, but I've got both of those things now. So I'm I'm excited because the whole like I need this tool to get to that tool to get to that project. It's it's working. It just hang on, guys. Sometimes it takes almost a decade. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, so I'm excited because that's almost there. And and the uh, the furniture. I'm just making a little coffee table. I've kind of scaled it back a little bit, but. Um, I do want to see if I can just tack the the frame together with some some simple steel, some simple carbon steel. So the weld destroyer is what I'm I'm starting to call this project because I have no idea if this will actually damage my TIG welder. So we will see if it doesn't. If it doesn't, I will rename it. But as of right now, it it is the possible weld destroyer.
1: So Destroyer of Welds.
0: Maybe in the next few weeks, I'll give an update on that and see where we're at.
1: Yeah, because you were really close to finishing it. And then what really hit you was the connectors were different sizes.
0: Which is funny because I learned from that and I've used those connectors all over my CNC because yeah. they're great. Those connectors are fantastic. And on the CNC, I was able to buy all the right ones because I knew the correct nomenclature. I think it was, those are the GX style aviation connectors and it's a GX and then there's a number. And a number is the diameter of the hole. Right,
1: right. Yeah, not the size of the barrel of the connector.
0: Correct. So I have everything I need to, to try this out. I mean, I'm going to fire up the PCB and put it on a scope and see that it's actually producing pulses before connecting it to my TIG welder. <laughs> I don't want the TIG welder to just go up in a cloud of smoke on the first button press. But just as a... Yeah, I, I just realized it didn't actually for those who haven't heard that project many, many months ago, this is a cold welder welder, which is basically it fires up your TIG welder and it does a very, very short high amperage pulse that basically sticks things together quickly, with a single button press. So I've got a, like a, a little activator that I'm gonna connect to my TIG torch and you just press a button and it just blasts real quick. And uh, people call it cold welding. Yeah, it's a
1: one-shot press.
0: It's a one-shot press, yeah. That's the whole that's the whole reason why I was doing a um, 555 timer. Set it up as a one-shot and just basically hijack the port that normally goes to your foot controller that already has voltage available on it. So I can power my whole device and then it has a control pin that I can just send a command pulse to. And I have a potentiometer on my board that where you just set the pulse width, but the amplitude, is it's just an on-off signal. You set the intensity of your beam based off of your amperage setting on the, the actual TIG welding machine. So hopefully that works. That's the one thing I wish my TIG welder had. Like, I have no problems with my TIG welding machine. I have an Alpha TIG 201X or whatever, and it's great. It does everything that me as like a bad hobby welder needs
1: it to do. <laughs> Remember when we did that uh, that welding stream once? That
0: was fun. That was real fun.
1: Yeah. And I'll put it this way. That's actually probably the best. Oh, yeah. You got the triangle, too. Yeah. that's Those are probably the best TIG welds I've ever done. That was really fun. Yeah. And actually, I was like, I just put together the uh, battery rack or the box truck, but I was putting the welds down and I'm like, these aren't that bad. And I'm like, I'm getting up. A, I'm, I'm a better welder now. And actually, I started looking at some old photos and I'm like, ah, I have actually been always a decent welder, not an Instagram welder at all. I think basically my downside is sometimes I rush the prep and then I get some voids with TIG MIG. Oh, MIG. MIG. Yeah. Sometimes I rush the prep, like I don't clean like, like what just happened on on the box uh, truck rack. Is like I didn't clean the paint off of like the end of the extruded tubing, and uh, when I laid the weld on that, it just bubbled up like crazy and just vaporized that paint and you got all in the weld. I am like, well, I got to grind all that off and re weld that. Yep, because you just be welding and then you laying down that really good bead, and then it just goes like a volcano everywhere (laughs) yep yep as it as the molten steel goes around something that vaporizes yeah and uh you're like well that sucks i gotta restart that i i'm still not learning my lesson on like parker if you prep everything well you save time (laughs) yeah it
0: but if you're in the heat of the moment it never feels like that it never feels that way. Yeah, you're right. It feels like, hey, I've got a welder and I got two pieces of metal. Go.
1: Go for it. Or like taking off the mill scale. Yeah, that's... An, uh, oh, I almost never do that.
0: <laughs> but but when you do it, it's so nice.
1: Yeah, when you do take the mill... If you take the time, flap disc off the mill scale, man, that that bead goes down great. Especially actually the start. that When you start the weld... That mill scale is pretty high impedance. I mean, I guess that's kind of the point of it. But oh, uh, this old I sent you the link. This old Tony just did a video with a new multi-process machine. I actually watched that video
0: last night. That it yeah. oh man, it looks so cool. It it really is like an all-in-one.
1: Yes. The HTP Revolution. And it wasn't really like The TIG stuff, that impressed me with the MIG or anything like that. The fact is you can use your standard MIG gun to do aluminum Yeah. without a spool gun. And then it actually has the TIG capability, so you can do the AC welding through your MIG gun. Yeah. That's freaking awesome. I'm like, I need that right now. Well, okay. (laughs) This, I don't know too much about welders, but...
0: You would think that this, what I'm about to say, exists on a lot of machines, but apparently it doesn't. The revolution switches the output terminals, positive and negative, based off of your selection. That's actually not a normal thing for welders. No, it's not. Typically, it's up to the user to connect your positive and your negative electrodes correctly to the right ports. Into the right ports. Yeah. But the revolution, just you know, based off of what program you you connect to, just Auto does it, which that's pretty awesome.
1: Now that welder's also like two and a half thousand dollars. Oh yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, actually, I'm seeing it right now, uh thirty eight hundred dollars.
1: Okay, I was, I don't know where I saw it for two and a half then last night. Yeah, yeah. It, it,
0: okay, so it has TIG lift, yeah. which is really cool. TIG lift basically allows you, you you take the electrode on your TIG and you actually touch the surface. And then it detects the second you pull it off and it strikes the arc.
1: So it's like- High frequency arc striking.
0: But it's like the best
1: world between
0: scratch start and high frequency start. Yeah. Because it auto detects. And so you pull off and you're already ready to go. You don't have to strike a new arc or you don't have to do the stupid scratch thing. I shouldn't say stupid, but scratch looks really tough to actually do and get good results with.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because sometimes high frequency just straight up doesn't start. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. And it doesn't start with, like, if you have enough mill scale or if you have paint or if you have this other stuff, all of that can get in the way. Yeah, yeah. I guess TIG lift wouldn't start in some of those situations as well, but it probably has a higher probability of starting.
1: Yeah. It's kind of hard to justify spending, for me at least, and you as well, like that much on a welder. Because my MIG plus my TIG costs less than half of that machine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it, it's one of those, like, that would be a sweet machine to have just from the aluminum mig perspective. Because in that video, this old Tony, he was laying down some, some aluminum beads. And I'm like, that looks awesome. Like, I want to do that. That's what you want your TIG to look like. Yeah, I want my TIG to look like that, and my TIG aluminum does not look like that at all.
0: Ugh, it's TIG aluminum. It's so hard.
1: Yeah. That's the thing is, like, I can TIG steel, stainless just fine. Like, no problem. The moments it's aluminum, though, like, I just, I think I've laid one decent aluminum bead my entire life so far. Yeah. And it was, like, three inches long, and then it got all crappy again. <laughs> So, I'll probably put that machine on, like, my super long wish list.
0: I mean, this old Tony was calling it his forever welder.
1: Yeah. And, and if he's saying that. I love my Hobart. I, I have a Hobart 190 MIG, and that machine is just awesome, though. It's just a workhorse. Really, the only problem with it is it's 220 only. Which isn't a problem for you. No, well, it's not a problem because it just stays in the garage. But there are times where... I'd like to take the welder somewhere, like down to Gallison to fix something for my dad and, and my mom, I guess down there. Um, my mom usually doesn't ask me to weld stuff for her, though. So, <laughs> like fences and stuff. Yeah. And it's really hard to get. You just can't. It, yeah. You just can't get it down. It's like, there's just no power, but like running a 120 is totally possible. So, my TIG is 120 and 220. But the problem with that is trying to TIG weld, you know, by the beach (laughs) it doesn't really work too well with the wind you really need like a flux core so i'm probably going to try to pick up like a 120 volt like flux core only mig gun MIG machine sometime like an old like little little, tiny lincoln or something Mm -hmm.
0: the little lunchbox ones
1: yeah and just put a roll of flux core in there like you know uh 030 uh flux core and just go town on it big old ascension cord (laughs) Cool. All right, let's wrap this podcast up.
0: Yeah, let's go ahead and do that. So that was the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. We were your hosts, Stephen Craig. And Parker Doman. Take it easy. Later, everyone. Thank you, yes, you, our listener, for downloading our podcast. If you have a cool idea, project, or topic, let Parker and I know. Tweet us at Macrofab, at Longhorn Engineer, or at Analog ENG, or email us at podcast at Macrofab.com. Also check out our Slack channel. You can find it at Macrofab.com slash Slack.